Well, hello everyone. Wow. I was sitting there, you know, getting ready and thinking, wow, it's the end of July already. Isn't that hard to believe? It's the end of July. We're, we're more than halfway through 2020 already. You know, I have to say, and I'm sure you're all going to agree, these last few weeks, the messages from Pastor Jeff and Pastor Dave Seifert have just been tremendous, haven't they? Well, this week, God put on my heart a message called, What Has God Placed in Your Hand? You know, as, as we began 2020, God made it very clear to the spiritual leadership here at Church of the Red Door. To, this is what he just told, teach my people how to walk in the fullness, how to walk in the hope, how to walk in the joy and the peace and all the promises that I have made to them and to become all that they were created to be, not just individually, but also corporately as members of God's family. You know, Jesus was talking to his father, and this is what he said. I'm going to read this to you from John 17. If you have your Bibles, obviously you can turn to John 17, verse 20. I'm sure it'll be on the screen as well. The glory which you have given me, he says to his father, I have given to them, that you and me who are followers, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, and love them even as you have loved me. You see, when we are united individually and corporately, can I tell you the darkness of this world? It gets pushed back. You know, I'm talking the darkness of fear, uh, the, the darkness of anxiety. Uh, how about uncertainty? You know, uh, the temptations, maybe dealing with even shortcomings in our characters. These are all pushed back when the light of Jesus Christ appears. Matter of fact, John goes on to say in John 12, he goes, I, Jesus says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. So this week, I want us to focus on what has God placed in your hand? And I'm talking right now this morning. What has God placed in your hand? And I want us to look at an encounter that Moses had with God. And you all, I mean, even if you're brand new, to the faith, you probably all heard the story about the burning bush, Moses in the burning bush. You know, uh, God calls Moses out of the burning bush and he tells him that he needs him to do something. And let me just read a little bit of it. And if you have your Bibles again, Exodus 3, verse 7 to 8a, it says, The Lord said, he says this through the bush, burning bush, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. God asked Moses, I want you to lead my people. This is what he asked. I want you to lead my people out of captivity. Okay, God, God says to him, you know, uh, it's, as, as God says to many of us today, okay, there's a lot of us that need to be led out of, quote, Egypt, okay? You know, he's just questioning, are, are any of us, do you feel like, like you're captive in Egypt? You know, Jeff has talked over and over that Egypt represents the world that we're in. Are you, do you feel sometimes feel captive? Are you captive maybe to our culture? Are you captive maybe to those talking heads that you hear on the news or all those fear mongers of all the things that they're saying right now as they're dealing with this pandemic? Uh, maybe you're like Moses, and you're a little fearful about standing up against Egypt. 
Well, let me tell you, Moses had his doubts, <laughs> okay? And Moses wasn't sure he wanted to do this at all. So let's pick this up in Exodus 4, verse 1. Then Moses, now here he's talking to God now, and he says, well, what if they're not going to believe me? Or listen to what I say, for they may say, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. You know, they may say, and the Lord said to him, well, so the Lord turns to me and he goes, hey, so Moses, uh, what's in your hand? And he grabs this and, and, he, and he says, uh, um, it's a staff. And he tells him, well, throw it down, throw it on the ground. So Moses throws it down on the ground, and the moment he does, it turns into a snake. And, and he runs from it. He flees from it, right? Then the Lord says, well, stretch out your hand. Grab it by the tail. And he does, and the moment he stretches out and he catches it, it becomes a staff again. That they may believe, the Lord, of, the Lord said, that the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You can show them that miracle. So here you have Moses, okay? He goes up to a burning bush, and God asks him to do what seems an impossible task. I want you to go up to the most powerful man in the world, in the world, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. I want you, that's right, a shepherd. <laughs> that's what he is. You're a shepherd. You've been on the backside of the empire there taking care of your father-in-law's sheep, but I've chosen you to go up to the most powerful man in the world and tell him, let my people go. But he asked me a question, well, what's in your hand? <laughs> and he goes, well, it's a staff, a shepherd's staff. And then, of course, what he tells him to throw it down, right? And then, this is important, something dead becomes something alive. But when he picks it back up, did you notice it dies again and goes back into a piece of wood? Friends, can I tell you? God never does a miracle to show off. Never. There's always a principle. So what's, maybe you're asking, so, hey, Pastor, what's this whole staff thing all about? Well, I think it's about three things that it's pertinent to our lives. First, you have to remember that this staff right here, it's Moses' livelihood, all right? Um, it's his career, okay? He's a shepherd. That's what he does. He tends sheep. But second, you know, it's also a symbol of his income, okay? Because this is, I mean, everything he's got is tied up in sheep, all right? It's his tool. It's his instrument. This is how he makes money, okay? This is how he pays his bills. This is how he buys food. And thirdly, you know, it represents his influence because he uses this staff to influence the sheep, to get them where he needs them to go, whether he gives them, pokes them, okay? Whether he hooks them to move them along, okay? But he uses this for that. His staff is his career. It's his income, and it's awful his influence. But you just see what happened. God says, just lay it down. Lay it all down for me. God says, Moses, if you lay down your career, if you lay down your income, if you lay down your influence for me, and if you do, I will make it come alive in ways that you never imagined. But here's the caveat. Every time you decide to pick it back up, when it becomes all about you again, you know, it's all about your income, it's about your career, it's about your influence, just going to turn back to a piece of wood again. Did you know it was from that point forward that it's no longer called Moses' staff? It's now called the staff of God. Because you see, it's with this staff, it's with this staff that Moses splits the Red Sea. You see, it's with this staff that Moses hits the stone, you know the story, and it turns into water. It's with this staff that when he puts it into the Nile River, 
it turns to blood. God says, if you give me what you got, what's in your hand, if you'll lay down your career where it's no longer about you, Moses, it's now about me. Moses, if you'll lay down your income where it's no longer your money, okay, it's now mine. And then, I mean, I, I can hear God saying, well, actually, Moses, the reality is this, okay? You think you own it, okay? But the reality is it's just a loan, all right? It wasn't yours before you were born. It's not going to be yours after you leave. So what's the big deal? Lay down your income. Come do what I need you to do. You know, you only get everything for a certain period of time, and then that's it. Friends, God was saying to Moses, as he says to us, and I got a bunch of don't miss this today. And if you're watching for the first time, whenever I say don't miss this, that's if you forgot everything I've, I've already said. Remember this. Don't miss this. Can I tell you, God doesn't give us a career, and he doesn't give us money, and he doesn't give us influence for our purpose. No, no, no. He really, he really doesn't. We may use it that way, though. I mean, we may use it to, to buy things that we really don't need or influence people that, you know, we just want to keep up with the Joneses type of thing. But just like with Moses, can I tell you, God's asking you, will you lay down your career? Will you lay down your income? Will you lay down your influence? Because ultimately, all of it, it's really not yours. <laughs> Okay, I gave, can you hear God saying, I gave you everything, all right? I gave you the talent to earn that money and to get that job, okay, and be influential, okay? I gave you that. Friends, we need to grasp this, and it's another don't miss this. We were made by God and for God, and until we understand that, can I tell you, life just doesn't make any sense at all. Listen, there's a burning bush moment in all of our lives, where God has, is, or will call, okay, us, call us out to be everything that he has created us to be, to face the Pharaoh that he wants us to stand in front of. Friends, I just want you to look at me, okay, here? I want you to look at me. Can I tell you, if you say, God, I... I do or I don't have a lot. Okay, but what I got, boy, I'll lay it down for you. Can I tell you when you do that? Listen, God will do miracles in your life. Wait, wait, let me say that again. I want to make sure you hear this. If you're willing to lay down really everything God's already given you, but if you're willing to do it, God will do miracles in your life. See, God's telling us if you lay down your influence where it's no longer about your ego, <laughs> You know, where it's no longer about your plan and your purpose in this world, okay? If you do, if you'll do that, I'll take something as simple as a piece of wood and I'll do miracles through it. Friends, God doesn't send us into the world empty-handed, okay? Moses, well, he had the staff, the staff of God. But we too have something powerful in our hands too. And it's supernaturally charged. It's not an object, but it's a living being that lives on the inside of each and every one of us who call ourselves a Christ follower, and that is the Holy Spirit. We now become, you get this? We now become the staff of God, okay? Because it's through us that God does miraculous things. Let me ask you a very serious question. What is your identity in? No, serious. 
Is it in your accumulation of wealth? Uh, is it in your career, your friendship? Is it in your membership at the club, tennis, pickleball? Is it in your sexuality? I mean, what's your identity in? Because friends, our identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. Because this is important. I want you to grasp this. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. It's not who you are. And we're like, walk up to people. Oh, hi, I'm Paul. Uh, and they said, well, hi, I'm, I'm Joan and, or I'm Larry and I'm a real estate agent. Well, no, that's not who you are. <laughs> that's what you do for a living. Okay. So there's a big difference about who you are and whose you are. Friends, you know what the biggest problem in the world is? No. It's not COVID-19. And no, it's not the economy. It's not North Korea or Iran. And no, believe me, it's not the upcoming presidential elections. It's spiritual emptiness. I mean, it's spiritual emptiness. People don't know. They don't know that they've been made for a purpose. They really don't. People don't know that they were made by God for God. They don't know. Most people don't know. They're going to live forever. They don't know it. They really don't. Can I tell you, friends, it's the biggest problem in the world. Jesus makes this statement in Luke 10, 23. He said, he goes, oh, and he's talking now to us. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I I say to you that many prophets and kings wish to see the things you see and did not see these things which you do and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and they did not hear them. Friends, can I tell you, we have been so blessed as Christ followers to experience not only the word, you know, of the incredible life of Jesus Christ, God incarnate walking the earth, but we've been given this. We've been given God's word to each and every one of us. But he has also given us the tools to become everything we need to be in this life. He has given us direction for all of us in our life, okay? To walk literally on the other side of the cross, to walk in all the promises that God has. You've heard me talk more and more than once. There's over 7,000 promises in here. I'm sure you can find one or two for yourselves. And can I tell you, God has allowed us to be exposed in the here and now to the power of God working in people's lives. You know, you've heard the statement, the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. What, Pastor? What did you say? The kingdom of God is here, but not yet. What are you drinking? Communion wine, Pastor? You're down at a local dispensary? What are you talking about? You're not making any sense. Friends, the kingdom of God is not here yet in its fullness until Jesus comes back for all of us and makes everything right. But every time, whether it's you or myself or someone else that you know that represents Jesus Christ to this world, to this planet, whether it's feeding the hungry, loving on their neighbors, whatever, the kingdom of heaven breaks in to this world every time. The kingdom of heaven is here, but not quite in its fullness as of yet. Friends, until our relationship with God deepens, can I tell you, we we don't understand what the heck we got in our hands. God took something, again, remember, something as basic as a piece of wood. Remember the piece of wood, and he turned into a living creature. Oh, okay, don't think for a minute that he can't work in your life or he can't work in my life, okay? Look, he took a bunch of downtrodden disciples after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and he supernaturally infused them. They changed the world forever. I love what it says in Acts 2, uh, verse 17 through 21. Uh, Peter explains from the prophet Joel, this is what he says, And it shall be in the last days, 
God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all of mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And then he goes on to say, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, your career, your income, your influence, do you understand it's God's mouthpiece to the world. It's your ministry. It's your, it, it's your mouthpiece to the world. Look at what Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He goes, therefore, we're, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God was making an appeal through us. Listen, you know, well, like the ambassador of, of the United States, when he goes to a foreign country, what's he doing there? He's representing the country that he came from. He's representing the leadership and the belief system. Friends, we're, we're Paul say, look, at we're God's ambassadors on this planet. We're here showing the people what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the leadership has for each and every one of them and call upon the name of Jesus. Friends, listen, there are some ministries, you know, that are more visible than other ministries, but all ministries, and I'm talking about your calling in life, they're all important. I, I never want you to, con don't confuse significance with prominence, okay? Because they're not the same, not the same at all. Do you know what the most important light is in my house? It's this little night light. <laughs> it's the most important light in my house. And do you know why? Because it lights the way to the bathroom. <laughs> and that way I don't stub my toe on something. It's little, but it's significant. I'm hoping you're getting my point. God has not asked, but can I tell you, he's not asked us, he's commanded us. He said, I need you to go out into the world. He's asked us, I need you to make disciples of all nations. I need you to baptize them, all of them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, friends, as children of God, as heirs to the kingdom of heaven, God has given us authority here now. The Apostle Paul actually stated in 2 Corinthians 10.13, he says, We will not boast about things done outside the area of our authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work of God has given us, which includes our working with you. Friends, can I tell you, God appoints us a boundary, a sphere of influence, literally. He's the people that are around you, the club that you belong to, the neighborhood, uh, the place, your workplace, okay, whatever those things are. God says, listen, these, that's, that's your sphere. That's your influence. You need to be salt and light, whether it's to your family, your friends, your coworkers, the stranger in line at the, at the grocery store, again, at your club, whatever it is. You need to be the salt and light. That's, that's, you're an ambassador. That's for you to be the salt and light. Friends, I want to encourage you, never forget this. Never forget it. 1 Peter 2.9. Again, one of my favorite scripture verses. But you are a chosen generation. Yeah, you and me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is so important. Remember this, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Friends, if you want to be fulfilled during this pandemic and all the craziness and the elections and all that's going on, you want to be satisfied in your life, okay? You want to have peace in crisis moments? This is, this is the answer. Then walk in the footsteps that you were called to. As Jesus stated in Luke 4, verse 18, and I'm going to read this to you, but I changed the words a little, okay? Only one word. I changed the word from me to you, and you'll understand in just a second. Because I'm talking to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You. Friends, the antidote to the world's problem is here. Can I tell you, friends, the antidote to the world's problems, it's here. It's the antidote of the gospel message. It's the antidote. Take a hold of the promises of the kingdom of God. Take a hold of them. Take a hold. It's a whole new society that we live in. Take a hold of our new citizenship. We're no longer the citizenship of this planet. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Take hold and let Jesus reign in your life. The antidote is available to everyone. You know what's great about it? There's no shortage. They don't have to create it. It already exists. Do you know how, though, the antidote is distributed? Do you know how our family and our friends and our coworkers and your golf buddies hear about this antidote? Yeah, I know. I know you know. You. The Holy Spirit is upon every believer who's given their heart to Jesus. Think about that. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. It looks out your eyes. It hears through your ears. It knows what comes out of your, out of your mouth. It uses your hands. It uses your feet. It dwells in you. You can help others break out of their, their cells, their bondage, their slavery, with the message of the freedom of Jesus Christ. This is a whole story about Moses and freeing people from captivity in Egypt. Get in to follow the one true God. Friends, this is a chance for you to help others break out of. You might not think of yourself being locked up in a cell or, or in bondage, but hey, if, 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 if you're in, in anxiety and fear and stress, you're in bondage. And it's through this gospel message, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us that these changes take place because it happens on a supernatural plane. See, you can help the blind see. Now, I'm not talking about a blind person seeing, but God could do that through you. We're talking about those who are blinded by society, blinded by life. They don't see the light of Jesus Christ and what he has to offer them and who they truly are. You know, and he set the downtrodden free. I mean, you're talking about all those that have lost hope. How about those friends, people, family members you might know that have lost hope? Can I tell you something? The key to our freedom is Jesus Christ. You know what it's freedom from? Rejection. It's freedom from pride. It's freedom from guilt. It's freedom from unforgiveness. How about the past? It's freedom from your past. Yes. It's freedom from addictions, fear, revenge, self-reliance, trust, friends. The key to our freedom is Jesus Christ. 
It's all found in one person again and one person only, and it's who? Yeah, that's right. Jesus Christ. So don't miss this. I believe our biggest obstacle in living a life of freedom in Jesus Christ. You ready? We've learned to do the time. What? Well, a couple years back, I was volunteering at a drug and rehab facility, and I had talked to someone who had just gotten out of prison. And they were locked up for over 15 years. And this person told me being free on the outside is so difficult for him to be able to survive. He goes, when I was in prison, I knew how to do the time. Are you hearing me? I knew how to get by. I knew what I needed to do. But now when I'm out and I've got all this freedom, I'm not sure how to react. I'm not sure how to live. Are you just doing the time? You see, it's easier to live in front of the cross. And what I mean by that, we have learned to do time in front of it. Listen, what I mean by that, almost the whole world knows what the cross represents, okay? They know that somebody, at least they know somebody hung on it, and it's part of some belief system, okay? But for us, I mean, all of us know about that. A lot of us have given our lives to Jesus. We were in front of the cross before we knew anything really about him. Some preacher, someone talked about there's freedom in it, and, you know, you can have eternal life through Jesus and whatever. And so we say, okay, and we, you know, we bend the knee, and, and we do that. But you know what? That's as far as most people go. They never walk on the other side of the cross. They're just standing in front of it, looking at it. They don't walk in all the promises that God has for it. God says, live on the other side of the cross. Live in all the promises that I've made. you got to step out. you got, you got to walk in it. I know it's easier living over here in front of it because that's where you've lived most of your life. You know how to do time there. But Jesus is saying, look, it, i got the key. i got the freedom where you can walk and live and become everything that you were created ever, ever to be and be so satisfied and blessed with your life if you walk on the other side of the cross. I want to encourage you, friends. If you've been just standing on the front and you just haven't stepped out, you know you're afraid to leave Egypt, okay? I don't know if I want to leave Egypt. You know, they got a lot of good food here and all, you know, just like Moses' people said, let's go back to Egypt. It seems so much easier. But they forgot about what it was like to be in bondage, what it was like to be a slave. They forgot what it was like people telling you what to do every single day. Friends, walk in the promises that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of you. Walk in all those promises. So in close, Jesus is asking you, will you trust me? Will you? Will you trust me with your career? Will you trust me with your income? Will you? Will you trust me with your influence? Because if you lay it down, I will take this ordinary piece of wood and I'll make it come alive in ways that you never imagined. Will you? Watch me take something that was spiritually dead or sleeping and make it come alive. And again, from God, an appeal, will you trust me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for that you are such a powerful and loving and caring and wonderful God. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us. Father, I pray that a new revelation has taken place in your people today, that they will step out and walk in, in the fullness of you on the other side of the cross, Father, for the price that's already been paid. So, Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we walk 
these days that are ahead of us. And all of God's people said, that's right. Amen. God bless you all.